May we share in the word of the Lord, the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. What a set of readings that you have read, from the dramatic reading of Zephaniah to First Thessalonians to the ending of that gospel reading. And as I always say, sometimes it's very difficult saying those words and then saying this is a gospel of the Lord and all of us responding, praise be to God. And as I was reflecting upon these scriptures today, something quite in interesting stood out for me. Waiting. You see, we all have had to wait for something at one point in our lives. Wait for a bus or wait for a train, wait for exam results or even test results, wait for some sort of an announcement or some news or an update, wait in a queue for a certain service or on the phone to a customer service advisor, Wait for Mike to turn off the system and turn it back on again. Or even wait for a delivery to arrive at your doorstep. Waiting can be different depending on what you're waiting for. It is very different waiting for your exam results from waiting for your test results. Waiting is very, very important, but more so, it is how we do the waiting. See, companies nowadays are very, very clever. They have managed to find a way to manage us as we wait to receive services from them. You could go to a place and they will have a system where there is a ticket number where you have to pick a ticket and wait, and the numbers will be appearing up on the screen or someone will be saying some numbers. Just to manage you as you wait, you will know, or you can judge how soon you will be attended to. Or sometimes you might be ringing a customer service provider, and they will tell you, they will give you options, and nowadays they are very good. They even say that we have a selection of music that you can listen to as a way to be attended to. The other day I rang a service provider and they said, press one for pop music. Press two for classical music. And I was just waiting to hear, press three for Christmas carols, but it didn't come. I hope that is something that they will be able to update in the future. When we were moving um, into the vicarage, we had to buy some appliances. One of the appliances that we bought was a cooker. After confirming uh, our purchase, we were given a delivery date. And it said that our delivery partner, the delivery partner of the person who we bought this uh, cooker from, will be in touch with us a day before to give us a time slot for our delivery. Well, on the eve of the delivery day, we received communication, yes. We have your package, and it will be delivered tomorrow. But for the time slot, the delivery driver will tell you in the morning. I was like, okay, well, we'll have to wait for the morning then to know what time this cooker will be delivered. 
The morning came, and for sure, they sent us an hour time slot. And it says that the cooker will be delivered between 11.38 and 12.38. It was like, right, we can carry on with unpacking. And we went on ahead and packing and packing and packing and packing. Clearing the space for where the cooker will be going, you know, making sure that you wipe quite nicely and sweep everything else. 11.38 comes, and we wait. We're like, well, they probably don't come at 11.38 on the dot, do they? So we can just do a few things. 12 o'clock came, still no delivery yet. And at this time, I'm like, well, it's still early, you know, it's still about 22 minutes. I think that's, that's, that's fair enough. It gets to 12.15, and I'm like, well, this is quite interesting. What do we do? And I just found myself starting pacing around the house, up and down, went to the window to check whether, you know, the van might be outside there. I found myself even going out of the house, ringing the doorbell just to make sure that the doorbell is working, <laughs> you know. Went out to make sure that, you know, there is a parking spot for them to come. And at around 12.35, I receive a text message saying, your delivery driver is running late. He will call you within 10 minutes of his arrival to your address. Well, no time indicated as to how long I have to wait. I did not know at this particular time, do I go out? Do I make myself a cup of tea? I might go into the kitchen and you know, they might come and I might just miss them. Or what do I do? I felt a bit paralyzed as to what to do. Waiting. Well, the context of our readings this morning is waiting. And I would want to just ask to reflect a bit about the context even before we come down to the set of readings. Not so much about the content of what we are waiting for. Of course, the prophet Zephaniah has told us a lot of detail about the content, but more so about how we do the waiting. But let me just touch briefly about the content of what they were waiting for. Jesus, in the preceding verses of Matthew chapter 24, he tells his listeners of the coming of the Son of Man. Paul, likewise, to the Thessalonians, tell them of the coming of the Son of Man. So we know that this is what they are waiting for. The coming of the Son of Man. The coming of the Son of Man was on the day of the Lord. You see, to the listeners of both Jesus and Paul, time was divided into two ages. There was the present age, the time that they were living, which was dark and difficult and terrible, and the age that was to come. And that is the age where God would reign in his kingdom in righteousness and majesty, the golden age, as it were. But in between these two ages was the day of the Lord, the day that the Son of Man would come. The coming of the Son of Man would usher in the age to come. Of course, as we have read from Zephaniah, it is not so such a beautiful day. 
And there is a lot of debate as to what happens on the day of the Lord, whether we are all caught up in heaven, whether we leave our clothes here, we disappear, all those kind of things. That's a different sermon for another day. But it is that day that ushers in this glorious age where there will be no suffering, no pain, no worry. Christ, the Lord God himself, will be reigning supreme. And it is indeed true, even for us here today, we do long for those days. We do wait for that day where there will be no suffering, no pain, no sorrow. So Jesus, having told his disciples and his listeners of the coming of the Son of Man, that indeed he will come, and sadly, this day of the Lord, no one knows, not the angels, not even the Son himself, but only the Father knows. But all we know is that the day will surely come. Jesus goes ahead to try and tell them how to live, how to wait for this day of the Lord. And in chapter 24 and chapter 25 of Matthew, where our reading comes from, Jesus tells them a series of parables trying to help them wait and telling them how they could be able to wait. He tells them to keep wake, to be watchful, to be ready, to keep at work, and to be prepared. Of course, we do have those parables that he uses of, you know, if you know that the day that the robber will come, you will keep awake so that when he comes, you will be able to see him. He tells a parable of the um, gospel reading for last Sunday about the bridesmaid, where there were those who were wise and those who were not wise, being prepared. And Jesus explains to them that as you wait for the day of the Lord, keep wake, be watchful, be ready, keep at work, and be prepared. Of course, some of these things have been quite difficult, and we have had those people who have told us about they know exactly the day of the Lord and how they explain to people how they ought to live their lives. We have heard of people being told that sell off your possessions, the Lord is coming tomorrow, you do not need anything, or live your life in such a way like this. But Jesus explains to his disciples and tells them, keep awake. That's the same words that Paul uses to the Thessalonians. Be watchful, be ready, keep at work, and be prepared. So the parable of the talents continues in this theme of Jesus trying to explain to his disciples what to do and how to live their lives as they wait for the day of the Lord. And as we have read it, it tells of a master that gave talents to his servants, each according to their capacity, to one five, to another two, and to another one. As we have read, the first two are able to double their talents, but the other one buried his talent. There are a number of things that we can learn from this parable, over and above the five things that we have mentioned, keeping awake, being watchful, being ready, keeping at work, and being prepared as we wait for the day of the Lord. First of all, is that the master knows 
his servants. And this is quite an encouraging thing, and especially for us who are in this building today, as we continue to serve God in different ways. The master knows us. He knows our capacity. He knows what you're capable of. He knows your limits. And the master cannot, be, cannot give unto us that which we cannot be able to bear. So the burden and the load, heavy as it might feel today that you're carrying, the master has weighed it, and he knows that you can be able to bear the burden. The master knows us. The master knows you. Secondly, is that everyone received something. No one went away empty-handed. The master was generous enough to give each one of them something, and none of them was left out. But it is not just something. It was the master's fortune that he entrusted unto them. How he had acquired that fortune, we may not know, but it was his fortune. It meant something to him, and he chose to entrust it to his servants. What God has granted unto us, his gift of salvation, his good news, was not just anything. It cost the life of his son, Jesus Christ. It was something. And we all have received this gift of salvation. And it is an incredible gift. But more so, the talents and the abilities that God has granted unto us, they mean something to him. But thirdly, and the most important thing, and I think this is what Jesus was trying to tell his disciples, is what do we do as we wait for the master to come? Of course, we know the story, how we have just read, that the first servant just went straight away and invested the other one as well did the same. And the other one went and dug a hole. The one who went to invest, we are reading the story right now, he came back with five more. It could have gone terribly wrong. Could have invested and nothing would have come back. But he chose to take a risk. He chose to do something different. The other one who decided to dig a hole, he said, I was afraid. I was terribly afraid. And because of this fear, all I did was dig up a hole and hide the talent that you have given me. We are called to reflect on this message. Are we going to be the people who will take risks? Who will be open to be unpopular, to reside with those who are marginalized, to call for justice for the oppressed? Are we going to be fearful and call and hide from using our gifts for the glory of God? There are very many things that we can give an excuse that we will not want to do for many reasons just like this 
other servant. But we are called to reflect. Are we going to take the risk or are we going to be afraid? Are we going to be so fearful that all we do is just face around, you know, look at the window, go outside there to check whether the delivery is out there, is coming, or are we going just to get stuck on and do the unpacking of the boxes or to have done? You see, the servants knew their master. And if anything, from the reading of the gospel, we know that the servant who was given that one talent seemed to know his master very, very well. And he knew exactly what his master would demand of him. But because of fear, he could not do anything. I wonder what fear might be stopping you from doing today. I wonder what it is that you're just afraid of, terrified of, to step out and do. This servant was terrified and could not do anything. But sorry, let me, let me take that back actually. Let me take that back. He did not do nothing. In fact, he did quite a lot. And you know, you might actually argue that he even did so much more than any other person. Maybe the person who invested the five just went somewhere and said, well, here's the money, look after it, I will come and collect it someday. That's probably all that he did. Probably did some, um, maybe he did Google or do something, go to a financial advisor to try and, you know, know where to put the money. But think about this gentleman who dug a hole. He woke up one morning. I want to think it's a morning that he woke up. Or maybe he dug the hole at night. That would even make it more interesting and went out to scout for a place where he would dig the hole. Strategy. Where would I dig the hole where it would be safe? We do not know for how long he went around to look for this spot. Having found the spot, he went and found some equipment. Or maybe he dug using his hands, we do not know, but I would want to think, being afraid as he said he was, he must have found some equipment. And then he started digging. Potentially because he was afraid he would not have asked someone else to help him. He wanted to be the only person who knows where the talents are. We do not know for how many days he dug this hole or how deep this hole ought to have been. But knowing that he was afraid, it must have been a very, very deep hole. And he dug the hole and dug the hole and buried the treasure the talents. And of course, before burying it, he must have found a container, a container so that the talents will not be destroyed. So possibly he spent a little bit more money or a little bit more resources to be able to bury the talents. And I would want to imagine, because again he was so afraid, he must have come back to the spot a number of times to make sure that the talent is still down there. Maybe they had metal detectors at that particular time that he would just hover it around there and find that it is still down there. But I would want to imagine that maybe he dug it up again to see whether it's still down there. The parable tells us that the master took a long time before he came. So we have no idea 
how many times he visited the spot just to be able to check whether the talent is still there. So, no, he did not do nothing. He did something. Sometimes we think that doing nothing is the easiest thing, but it might end up being the most costly thing. And sometimes it might be the more taxing thing, just not doing anything. What are we doing with what God has given us as we wait for his coming? We all might be busy doing something, either running around looking for equipment, a spot to dig it, to bury our gifts, or serving others with a gift. I pray that when the master shall return, he will say to all of us, well done, good and trustworthy servants, and invite all of us to share in his joy. Well, I did not have joy when um, the cooker arrived. It arrived and it was faulty. So we had to send it back again and wait for a delivery for another time. <laughs> You'll be glad that we are still not waiting. It did arrive eventually. <laughs> But what are you going to do as you wait for the day of the Lord? Don't go digging. 